the work never stops. I'm going to keep working till the day that I, that I die. You know, as I experience life, I will experience things that ask me to show up for myself um, in ways that I haven't before. And that can be really frustrating sometimes, but also, you know, on the other side of it, on the other side of figuring out what's happening or figuring out what the need is, is not being met. There's only growth and it's, it's always, it's always for the best by the time I get through it, you know, as long as I'm patient. Hello, my gorgeous, confident queens, kings, and monarchs out there. This is your confident mama out here ready for season two of getting to share some incredible interviews to help us all live our best, most confident lives as parents, partners, and business owners. Let's get going. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Do you want to start us out by just introducing yourself and, and kind of what you do? Yeah. So my name is Jessica Brower. I live in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, you know, and this is one of the hardest questions to answer. Um, I'm a lot of things well beyond my professional titles, which I also am a lot of those. Um, I'm a woman and I think um, I'm a woman who lives a lifestyle a bit outside of the norms of womanhood. And I think that's important to mention when I try to sum myself up. Um, I've done a lot, a lot of work to shed the societal expectations of womanhood and to peel that onion back and to find this version of me that fits, that feels right. And by no, no means did that come easy. I'm now very proud of it. <laughs> um, but I'm very passionate about people listening to their stories, watching how they show up and make change in their world. And I'm a deeply sensitive human being. <laughs> I used to think that was kind of a burden, a thing that I really hated. Um, but now I think it's a superpower and a thread that kind of moves through all the things I do in the world. Um, deep in my bones, I'm a writer and I have been since I was very young, um, being a deep feeler and being a thinker and all of that um, has just made writing a very special place for me. I recently listened to a, um, interview with Liz Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and Big Magic, and City of Girls, all these really incredible books, <clears throat> and she said writing was her first prayer, and I thought that was, that identified with me a lot, um, or I identified with that a lot, uh, but beyond that, my business card says that I'm a marketer, um, I'm an entrepreneur, um, I think you know this, but I think to be a business owner is kind of like this neurosis <laughs> that none of us can quite shake. Um, so I'm not, I don't have any projects right now, but I think I'm always in between, you know, I'm always, there's always something coming. Um, so I am a marketer for an economic development agency. Uh, and I also teach yoga and am a pretty active and passionate uh, volunteer in my community working in economic development and the arts. Absolutely. And that's how you and I kind of connected is through all of our volunteering in our local community. So she she does a lot around here and she's pretty awesome. And her writing is incredible. I love reading all of it. Um, so just wonderful. I think it's also like super important that like the very first thing that you said is like, I am a ton of things beyond the titles like given to me, like whether that's work or whatever. 
um, which kind of leads us directly into the conversation that we're going to have today, which is about, you know, how can we separate ourselves from, like, our worth from those titles that we have and kind of shed those layers of what womanhood is meant to be for each of us. So um, what kind of is the journey that you've gone through personally to work through that yourself? Yeah, I mean, and it is, it is very much so a, a journey because it's kind of, it's baked into how we connect to people. You know, it's, hi, my name is this, and this is what I do. You know, it's the first thing that we ask each other. And my initial instinct is to be like, my name's Jessica Brower, and I'm the marketing director for the Wyoming Women's Business Center. And then I'm like, well, that's like one really small thing <laughs> in, a, in a big thing. Um, and that happened to me just this weekend. I met a, a good friend of my partner and they asked me about myself and I couldn't think of anything to say. It was like, I don't know about myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uncomfortable. And so, you know, I think it's constant work. And I think for me, this journey goes all the way back to my early education. And I grew up attending a pretty competitive, um, really strict elementary school and junior high school. And even though I was a naturally good student and I performed pretty well academically all the way through my schooling, through high school and college, um, that pressure to be the best and to do better and to really beat myself up until I got that perfect score was really immense. And I still struggle with it because I learned this false story that my worth and my performance were linked together. So, you know, I do good and then I'm praised. Therefore, I have to do good to be praised. And at what cost? And it took until I was in my 30s to realize, well, that cost was uh, significant. <laughs> and um, that extended, this mentality extended into my young adulthood, into my, my 20s. And I found that I was chasing that kind of like 4.0 GPA of life. And mm -hmm. I needed to have the job and I needed to have the spouse and the house, and the finances and the kids and the savings account and the Christmas card and, you know, the clothes, the body and all this stuff in order to be good enough. And honestly, I got pretty well on my way. I did it. I was doing well on the outside and I was achieving things. I had a business. I was married. I had a house. I, you know, things looked really great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I realized all of a sudden, I mean, not all of a sudden, but, you know, it builds. I realized what was I was ignoring for a long time. And that was that I was really disconnected from myself and I was burnt out and I was lonely and I was unhappy. And, you know, all those titles just like didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> um, and it's hard for me to speak about, to effectively speak to the just incredibly transformative power of burning it all down <laughs> and rebuilding. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, that's what I did in part because I had to, in part because I could. I know not everybody has that opportunity. Um, and it was the most painful thing I've ever done, hands down, but also the most beautiful gift I've ever given myself. And I feel like in doing that, I, I was forced to learn my worth outside of those titles because I just shed the titles. They just, some of them went away by choice and some of them went away just um, as a consequence. And so it forced it into me. Um, yeah, so I think with that, like 
it's constantly, um, it's constant, I'm constantly working at it. And I still see myself making those adjustments. So there was this like big um, release of those titles. And now there's constant checking in and making sure that I'm not identifying just with them. And I feel like there's a part, there's parts of my life now that really help that. And so one thing I'm really grateful for is I have a circle of friends who don't ever ask me about my work or don't ever ask me about traditional titles necessarily. They ask, hey, what are you reading? Or what are you listening to? What are you thinking about? Or what have you been feeling? Or what are you excited about? Um, and that's, it's such a gift to just be asked those questions and to remember that every time I talk to them that they're seeing a part of me that doesn't have anything to do with the title. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for, art and experience and getting to take in the world and to see um, to see different perspectives than to see the world without these restraints that are tied to any job or description and to just kind of play, you know, if, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely it does. I think it's so important, like, that we have those other people around us can who can kind of see us for who we are not what we are because I think usually we're the hardest on ourselves rather than all of those around us because they see us 100% in our best light and we always see ourselves in the worst light right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and I think it's um totally true what you said about just like the the feeling of just burning everything down and kind of like rebuilding and how freeing it is I'm kind of going through that right now as well like uh, I'm getting divorced and like rebuilding my businesses and doing all of this stuff so I definitely feel that and it's been um interesting to rediscover myself throughout the process of it um and I was also that kid that grew up in a household where it was like you achieve or your worth is zero kind of thing. And so it's been like, okay, I have to check back in with myself and realize that I'm putting those expectations on myself. Nobody else is. And just kind of working through that myself. So um, how, how do we begin to heal ourselves? after you know kind of going through that burn down process of like losing you know our business our you know titles of wife whatever it is um, how do we kind of rebuild yeah you know and I think so many of the answers to these questions are really simple answers um, but also not yeah easy um, and I think step one in beginning to heal is to recognize that we're hurting right like, I think we as a species are really good at running from what's present in ourselves, what we're experiencing. And so something difficult happens and we naturally look to the thing that can distract us. And I think society has done a huge disservice to us in this. Um, and I'm constantly fighting it myself and I see people fighting it all the time. And we're often rewarded and recognized for being strong and tough and you know you're really holding it together in this really hard time um and doing whatever it is that isn't being vulnerable and maybe being truthful about like this is awful this is hard um and we you know we distract ourselves in 
in multiple ways. And this is the thing I, I think about all the time and I can get myself really riled up about it, <laughs> but there's, um, you know, addictive behaviors that we all turn to as human beings. And they're the ones that we've labeled as bad. Um, and those are the people that go to jail or whatever, because it's for substances or sex or disordered eating, um, violence, fighting, you know, that kind of thing, things that are damaging to our bodies and our mind and those around us. And, you know, I'm a, a firm believer that those, those humans are all deserving of help and support regardless. Um, but then there's these other addictive things that we do that society's just praises. So things like Mm -hmm. uh dieting and exercising or overworking um which is the thing i'm i'm guilty of you know filling your schedule Thank so you. full that you <laughs> yeah you fill your schedule so you don't have time to feel what you're feeling or you place yourself in the middle of something else so you don't have to be involved in your own world whether that's gossiping with your neighbors or you know over volunteering at your church or whatever <laughs> so you know all of this is to say I think the unfortunate news here <laughs> is that to begin to heal, the thing that we have to do is to give ourselves to healing and the messiness of healing. And we have to eliminate the distractions and recognize what we're doing to keep ourselves from our own heart and our own hard feelings. And, you know, it, this isn't to say that we can't distract ourselves in moderation, like, especially when you're having a hard time, like, watching Netflix or playing a video game or going to the gym or scheduling a busy day. Um, that's not always self-destructive, but there's a, there's a threshold. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if once you start, once we all start tuning into ourselves and noticing what we're doing and why we're doing it, it becomes clear when, when we're doing a thing that's nurturing and when we're doing a thing that's self-destructive, you know, so I think step one is and the biggest step here is to just allow ourselves to feel whatever's present without any um, without any demands of ourselves, without any timelines, without any rules, just this is me, this is what I'm feeling and let it be as ugly as it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and no, no expectations for yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. I definitely, I definitely, um, think that that is a really, really great, um, you know, thing to do, especially when you're going through something hard and you just need time to process it for yourself before you're, you know, processing it with others around you. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely took a break from social media for like four months and it was like the best thing ever because I was just able to kind of go into myself, process it myself before I was like trying to process the emotions of everybody else around me at the same time about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and one of the worst things you can do when you're trying to process your own emotions is to have to perform for other people. Like, I don't think you can do them both at the same time. It's, they both require so much energy and it's impossible. Yeah. Really, really. Well, and so I know like, obviously you mentioned like all of these different things that you're doing right now like you you're an entrepreneur who's always coming up with new things you're doing yoga you're doing marketing you're doing all of this stuff how do you like set firm boundaries with all of those different areas so that you still have like that time for yourself and your needs 
Yeah. And, you know, I wish that I could say, I've figured this out and I'm really good at it. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not at all. Um, it's a really tough question. You know, how can we set better boundaries? How can we even begin to set boundaries, um, especially for women? Um, and again, I think we're the, the answer at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're told, we're told to be, you yeah, know, we're, true. we're told that we're caregivers, that we are, um, you know, like you think about people, the women who are praised for being strong women. And so often one of the first characteristic traits that people say is, oh, she was so selfless. And mm -hmm. it, it just, it makes me want to rip my own hair out because it just sets this precedent that in order to be good, you have to not care for yourself. And that is just to, there's just a, like a long list of profanities that I'm preventing myself from saying. <laughs> Um, you're more than welcome to say them if you want. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, I think we best set boundaries by loving ourselves. It's a constant practice in self-love because all a boundary is, is saying, I choose me. I choose my health. I choose my joy, my heart, whatever it is. And so often we're led to believe that self-love is selfish and that selfish is bad. You know, it's one of, it's that least desirable trait to be as a woman. Um, and just like my, you know, my rant before, it's just a, to be self, to be selfless is honorable, to be selfish is bad. Um, and this is the thing that I've run into a lot because I'm a woman who I, I don't have children and that's by choice. Um, mm -hmm. I walked away from a marriage and that was by choice. Um, I've really worked hard to build a life where I say no to others in order to say yes to me. Um, and that's a lifestyle change that is difficult for me to process and also difficult for other people to see sometimes because they think it's mean or selfish or whatever. And, um, you know, there, there are these humans who think that it's bad to self boundaries. It's bad bad to set boundaries for yourself in honor of yourself. Um, and honestly, I just, I think they're wrong. <laughs> um, I so agree. I think, you know, how, how do we set better boundaries? I think that comes back to cultivating this relationship with ourselves, where we feel safe and loved and supported enough to actually hear um, the part of us that's declaring, Hey, we need a boundary right here. Like to notice like I'm getting really angry or I'm getting really tense or I'm getting really emotional or something's happening here. It's probably like a little flag that's, you know, saying that this is probably a place where a boundary is needed. Um, and then once we recognize where this boundary is needed or where a boundary that we have is being encroached upon or we're not enforcing it, then we can start to do the real work. And, you know, I think here it just comes down to speaking truthfully, both to ourselves and to others around us. Um, and a thing that I think about often, um, Dr. Brene Brown is just like my all-time hero, probably the only human on the planet that I would like, I don't know, become starstruck goofy <laughs> if I saw in the flesh. Um, but she talks about the idea that clear is kind. Um, so the idea of uh, to be unmistaken, unmistakably clear about what you mean, what you're saying, what you uh, what your intention is, what your boundary is, is that's actually the kindest thing we could do. Um, and I think 
it can be so easy with boundaries to kind of waffle and be like, oh, well, well, we'll see, or maybe I'll go do that, or to just to lean into being um, into people pleasing or to lean into just being sweet or saying yes, um, when we probably know deep down we don't want to do the thing. And truthfully, that's not the kindest thing that we could be doing for ourselves, of course, because it's not self-honoring, but also for the other people. Now, I think everybody deserves the truth. And so that clear is kind. I feel like I'm always just like, okay, Jess, clear is kind, clear is kind. <laughs> this is my boundary, period. This is what I need, period. This is what I'm doing, period. Um, and I think the kind of fun thing that happens with boundary setting is once you start to do it, then you can spot it with other, when other people around you are doing it. So like if I'm supposed to have coffee with a friend and they say, you know, gosh, I'm feeling really wiped out. I had a rough night. Um, I'm not going to make it tonight. I know for some, it's not personal. And then another part of me is like, good on you. Like way to go. Now I know that this is a part of our relationship where we're open to say, to have these boundaries and to say like, this doesn't work for me and to be clear. And so I think we start small. We set boundaries around our schedules and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And then we can build that muscle and start to set boundaries about how we allow people to speak to us and what language and in scenarios and then into who we let into our life and how we let them show up or how we respect our own boundaries, which is again, the most difficult thing. We're our worst enemies and typically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think, you know, all of that to, is to say the best way for us to set boundaries, for me to set boundaries is to recognize what is needed uh, and to become, to sit in the seat of my biggest advocate. Because um, at the end of the day, I'm the only one responsible for me. I'm the only one who's looking out for me. and. Um, I need to be my biggest ally or I'm going to be my biggest abuser. And I've been both and I prefer to be the ally. <laughs> and, and, you know, if I, if I prioritize connecting to what's present for me and making choice choices from a place of self-respect and clarity on my needs, um, then the, then the boundaries become easier and easier and easier. Yeah. I definitely um, fall within the people pleaser category and like am definitely my biggest abuser on most days. So it's something that I'm working on. And I feel like a lot of us, especially women, because we've been raised to be that way, um, you know, just are that way. How can we kind of start working to find empathy for ourselves? And then of course, extend that out to others too, when they're doing things like setting boundaries with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I think, you know, ultimately empathy is that seeing someone or seeing ourselves, just truly seeing the whole picture, connecting with their experience or the experience without, from a neutral place, without any judgment. Um, and this, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to talk about empathy because I'm naturally, I'm naturally, empathetic. Um, I've, since I was a kid, just been like such a sensitive little thing. And it, it's, you know, and pretty intuitive to me and I, to be empathetic to others. Um, and I don't say that because I'm like, oh, I'm so great and holy and look at me and my empathy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that I don't mean it that way at all. But sometimes it's hard for me to think, well, how does, how does this become cultivated in 
in others or in myself. And then I start to think about empathy for myself and I struggle with that immensely. It is constant work. Um, and I have to challenge me to sit with me probably every day, multiple times every day and to bear witness to what is unfolding in my heart and in my mind without immediately jumping towards judgment and saying, no, that's stupid. That's not a good enough. That's not good enough. You're not, you know, you messed this up. Why are you like this? Etc. <laughs> so I think some advice that has been helpful to me in this arena is the idea of reframing language about what is present. So I'm, and I'm, this is a common thing. I'm sure many people have heard this before. So instead of saying I am X emotion, you say I'm feeling the effects of X emotion. So rather than saying I'm so angry right now, or, you know, I'm so angry at myself for doing this. I'm so sad because of this. I'm so anxious. I'm so jealous. Instead, you say, I'm feeling the effects of my anger right now. I'm feeling the effects of sadness. I'm feeling the effects of my anxiety or my depression or my jealousy or whatever. So you're reframing it to allow for more than just that one feeling. You're still experiencing that feeling. You're not saying, oh, I'm not angry because I think it's important that we feel the thing that we're feeling. Pushing it aside isn't doing anybody any favors. But empathy is witnessing that whole picture. And I think this language thing allows us to just broaden the scope and to not just focus on that thing that's yelling the loudest and to see, okay, I am really angry right now, but also I'm just in, I'm feeling the effects of my anger. Um, some other kind of empathy related advice that I've heard from folks that work in the mental health space before that I've worked with, um, especially in finding empathy for others, especially those that you struggle with finding empathy for, you know, whether that's somebody who's really hurt you or, you know, I think yourself falls into that too, Definitely. is um, to think about young children or even like puppies and kittens, <laughs> like the cutest thing you can okay. imagine. Um, and we've had this we've all had these experiences where like the puppy has an accident or eats your favorite shoe and you're like, feel like you're gonna, your head's gonna pop off. You're so freaking angry. But then they look up at you with their big eyes and you're like, God, okay, all right, <laughs> fine. And you kind of like feel everything melt away. So kind of trying to cultivate this um, experience of connecting to other people the same way. Like you're looking at them like they're, small <laughs> they're young they're just figuring it out you know um and giving some room for humanity <laughs> i mean i guess for a dog it's not humanity for canine behavior <laughs> but um you know i think i think we're really good at looking the mess looking at the messiness of like a puppy or a young child and not judging it the same way we are at, at looking at the messiness of a adult human um, and I think, I think that it can be really helpful in kind of like a, a silly way, <laughs> especially in the moments where it's hardest to, to love others or ourselves and what's present. Um, I think, that's I think, great. I was just going to say, I think, like you said, too often, we forget that we're all humans and we're all learning. It doesn't matter our age or you know, where we're at in life or whatever, we're always learning and trying to learn new things. And I think far too often we expect others to be like, you know, 
I, I always think of like your parents you put them up on this pedestal like where they can do no wrong and then as you get older you realize you know maybe there were things that they did wrong while you were growing up or are doing wrong now but they're still learning and they're still growing they're in a totally different place now than they've ever been in their life so I think that's really that's a great great tip I like that a lot yeah and I think you know I think just like you said we put people up on a pedestal and I think it it kind of cuts off the opportunity for a connection and like a deeper Mm -hmm. love to people you know I think about the hard the hardest conversations I've ever had are with the people I love the most and I you know there's almost that sensation of loving them more or with a like richer understanding once you've seen them for the messy parts and they're not just this like they have the answers they do everything right um Mm -hmm. I think it's just a really it's a really beautiful thing if we can just peel back all the kind of like bullshit that society has told (laughs) us that we're supposed to do um and allow ourselves to be seen in that yeah 100 percent so I know that we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but like um, on those days that like we're really struggling, we're really like in our own feelings, we're struggling with our identities or like those hard things that we're going through, anything like that, how can we better show up for ourselves? And of course, like those around us on those kind of bad self-worth days. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to showing up for those around us, um, I think we need to establish that it's okay to not show up for them sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, we can't, <laughs> yeah, we, we can't hold ourselves to that immense responsibility of being present and attentive to the needs of those around us every day. Um, especially if we're struggling, if we don't have the bandwidth, like we're not doing anybody any favors there. And you know, I recognize that parents are responsible to their children and entrepreneurs are responsible to their businesses and their employees. You know, there's no life that's just totally void of responsibility to others. But I do think we have control of, you know, over the degree to which we hold ourselves accountable. You know, we could order pizza for dinner or take a mental health day off from work and to say, you know, I got to take care of some things. And that's not bad. And I feel like a thing I'm telling my friends often my friends who have children is what a gift you're giving your children by letting them see you opt to take care of yourself in this moment. Like that is incredibly beautiful. And the same thing in the work setting, you know, what a gift you're giving your employees to see that pausing is acceptable. Taking care of yourself is acceptable and welcomed. Um, It's just cultivating this environment where, you know, love and respect and self-honoring is acceptable and it's not a thing you have to kind of like pretend you don't need um I definitely wish that I had grown up in a household where you know my mother was more open to taking care of herself and having those because my mom was definitely like that you know epitome of the strong woman who was doing everything and like um I wish that I had seen more of that vulnerable side. And I I definitely, as a mother, am hoping I'm showing that to my son and letting him know that it's okay to be vulnerable and have those hard days as long as we're like, you know, honoring ourselves and working through it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think 
it's a really cool thing for me to get to watch my friends raise children um, because I get to learn a lot about how about the rules that I want to change that I learned when I was a kid um, and I see them reparenting themselves as a way to parent differently Absolutely. and it's just you know the most incredible work that I feel really lucky to get to to watch and to be a, a close friend to to have friendships where we talk about this kind of stuff and there isn't just this air of perfection um I just think it's it's such a beautiful thing um but then when you know when it comes to showing up for ourselves individually I think again this comes back to like noticing what's present <laughs> noticing what's here what what's going on here what boundaries are being encroached upon what am I feeling actually what's beneath that feeling and that's a that's a big step one that's not like a casual step one <laughs> um and then you know again attending to it so not a not abandoning abandoning ourselves when we need it the most um I think there can be this idea that like okay we can like fix a hard thing by meditating once or <laughs> or you know setting a single boundary one time and I think you know it's a constant practice and it changes and it looks different for me than it looks for you and you know how I show up for myself today looks different than it did yesterday and it will look different tomorrow um but I think it always 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 regardless comes back to holding on to the idea that it's deserved um you know I am so exhausted and all I need is rest well that rest is going to be absolutely useless if you resent yourself for the rest the whole time yeah you it's important to know I deserve rest I'm unconditionally worthy of that or you know I'm angry at my partner and all I want to do is lift heavy things at the gym until I'm just like dripping in sweat like a crazy person you know you deserve to feel that anger and to know like I deserve to feel this anger I deserve to move through this I deserve to attend to that in a way that's supportive to me um, I'm a huge fan of inner child work. And a lot of that goes back to that like early, early education experience, which fortunately gives me lots of things to work on. <laughs> but I, you know, I think when it comes to taking care of ourselves, especially when we're struggling, um, but honestly, every day, this is huge. You know, at some point in our lives, we decided that we were no longer deserving of special attention and care. And we, you know, we became adults and we became the caretakers. We couldn't, you know, receive care anymore and I think in these moments when we're feeling low that part of us that needs to be recognized or heard connected to whatever is the little version of us the inner child so I always find myself feeling like okay what does little Jess need right now what is she asking for truthfully and it is never anything absurd I think sometimes I could tell myself like well she's gonna want you know something that's just going to be impossible to do. And really it's not, it's like little Jess needs to lie down for just like 20 minutes. <laughs> she needs to take a walk. Um, or, you know, she needs to get away from this thing that's just making her feel icky. You know, she needs to be held or she needs to play and laugh or dance or whatever, or cry or yell. It, I think it so often, and the thing that's common for women is, you know, to be heard to 
you know, I have something to say, little me has something to say, and it isn't being heard, and I'm so frustrated, I'm stomping my feet, but society tells me I have to be quiet and small and polite, and so everything inside me is just, like, churning, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think the best way um, I can show up for myself when moments are hard, and the best way I think many of us can show up for ourselves is to be the person who gives that support to the hurting part of us or the little part of us and says, you know, I see you, I hear you. We can rest now. We can play now. We can laugh now. We can do wacky, crazy things. We can wear the polka dot tights and the striped dress and the tiara. Like, that's okay. I got you. This is going to be, this is going to be great. You're safe with me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to let people talk to you in a way that hurts you. I'm not going to let people push up against your boundaries in a way that hurts you where we got each other. And I think, I think that is one of the most powerful things we can do. And, you know, it's a practice. It just takes, it takes time and it never, the work never stops. I think that's the thing I always come back to is like, the work never stops. I'm going to keep working till the day that I, that I die. You know, as I experience life, I will experience things that ask me to show up for myself um, in ways that I haven't before. And that can be really frustrating sometime, sometimes, but also, you know, on the other side of it, on the other side of figuring out what's happening or figuring out what the need is, it's not being met. There's only growth and it's, it's always it's always for the best by the time I get through it, you know, as long as I'm patient. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. That was incredible. Thank you so much. I feel like this is going to help, you know, so many women out there that are trying to kind of shed these layers of perfectionism and, you know, find that self-love and that confidence within themselves again as they're moving through life and everything that comes along with it so thank you so much Jeff yeah thank you y'all wasn't that just incredible thank you for being here with me today and if you loved this episode please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials we'll see you next time